Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of our SMB Tech Talk series. This is Sandy Ono, and today I'm joined by Sunil James, Senior Director of Security Engineering here at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Hi, Sunil. Hi, Sandy. How are you doing? Very good. Sunil, we've got a great topic today around cybersecurity, and certainly not one that hasn't been discussed a lot. Given the last 12 to 18 months, Sunil, maybe we could just kick off the discussion with how are you seeing companies go about assessing their cyber vulnerabilities and what have you been seeing the last 12 to 18 months? Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate the opportunity to share some of my perspective. The cybersecurity assessment process is not something new. It's been something that's been ongoing for quite a few years, 20, 30 years now, since more of the enterprise landscape has moved on to the internet and interconnected systems. And the principles that have applied then continue to apply now, except that it's a bit more challenging considering the heterogeneous, diverse nature of infrastructure that companies are utilizing to move forward. And that fundamental principle still revolves around having a very good understanding of what are the crown jewels of your business. If this one thing was taken away from you, if this one thing was corrupted, if this one thing was held hostage, what would that do to your business? How bad of an impact would it have to the viability of your business going forward? It's a hard question to answer for many folks because it's, and it's usually not singular in nature. It's usually multiple things, but a singular question like that can have an amazingly clarifying effect to understand how and what those things are. And that becomes the starting point for determining the types of vulnerabilities and threats that could come into play and impact the availability of that asset, if you will. And so I think what's what's even more challenging is that, as I said before, and you can identify something like whatever it might be, customer data, or as a very rote example, that's pretty important for your business. Okay, fine. But I think what's challenging is that over the last 18 months, 24 months, as we've seen more enterprises move to cloud, the ability to track, identify, and ensure that customer data as it moves from your data centers to cloud, from your cloud to the edge and every combination between, I think is becoming a heck of a lot more challenging. That's for sure. As that movement into and from cloud and the architecture, that's really where the complexity comes in. Sneha, I love that analogy of, you know, what are your crown jewels? And like you said, sometimes that's hard for people to know where to start. If you were to kind of walk somebody through the beginnings of this to get to that clarifying point, what would you say are some focus areas people should think about as they, they figure out what that crown jewel is? Well, I think understanding what is the value that you're bringing to your customer? What do your customers pay you money for? What is the fundamental capability that you're delivering? I think that should seem obvious, right? If you're in the business, I'm in the business of delivering infrastructure capabilities. I'm in the business of creating infrastructure for food delivery service or whatever it might be. I think understanding what exactly that looks like and how that's delivered and the information and the assets that go along with that is a question that has to be considered as well. I think another way to think about this is to also get that question answered by different stakeholders in the business. Everybody has a different perspective on what they consider to be crown jewels. Your CFO will have a different perspective than your CEO, different than your head of IT and somebody that's not involved in any of that. Somebody in the sales side might have a very different perspective. So I think being comprehensive in terms of collecting perspectives on that question, I think will help ensure that you're being as comprehensive in your thinking and not blind 
by a smaller subset of perspective on the question. But be open, right? Don't just presume that one set of folks or a security team really understands that value differs across the business as well. Another way to think about this might be to, to also think about this from the standpoint of the customers themselves. You have customers. They are on your platform. If your platform went down or if your platform was corrupted in some form or fashion, what impact would that have on their business? What are they depending on? Right? What is the critical thing about the service you deliver and the customers' minds would be an absolute disaster for them to lose? I think that's an additional data point that might help you start that process. Now, that's so nicely put because sometimes when you survey your stakeholders, you have much more of an inside view out of what the crown jewels are. But when you go outside in and focus on, well, this meant something for that customers, that helps you in that prioritization process of risk assessment. I can definitely see that. Absolutely. A lot of companies have limited resources or not know where to start. So, you know, in your, your past, how have you seen either HPE experts kind of help people through this process or where would you recommend people start if they don't have the resources and know how to get going? Yeah, this is a very well understood process for many folks that are doing cybersecurity assessments as you know, consulting firms or dedicated staff inside of large organizations. It's three things. Once you're able to identify the assets and those crown jewels, you can then begin to understand what is the risks associated with each asset. What are the ways in which those assets could become corrupted or compromised? Those risks will all become part of a broader pool of, of things to consider. At that point, you will then have to go through an exercise that allows for you and your team to somehow prioritize tackling of those risks. You might recognize that some of these risks have overlapping dependencies. Some of these risks are actually one and the same thing. Some of these risks are you're much less prepared to defend than other risks. Whatever the rubric is that you're going to use, you need to go through a process that allows you to actually prioritize those risks so that you can begin a process that allow you and the organization to triage and start to minimize the exposure there. And then lastly, it's not just enough to be able to put in place a, a set of activities to mitigate against the identified risks, but you have to also presume that you miss something, that you will miss something in the future and you will continue to miss things. And so a mechanism that recognizes that that is a possibility and perhaps a truth of most enterprises and has a robust mitigation and continuous verification process to come back on the back end side and check that the mitigations are effective, that they don't need to be updated on a continuous basis, I think is a pretty important thing. These processes, they're not good if you do them once a year, right? Your business is changing much faster than once a year. And so you need scalable ways to do these three things throughout the year with the assets you have and the assets that you could bring into the conversation as well, whether it be consultants or other enterprises like HPE, you know, through our professional services side. So tell me a little bit more about the professional services and for those engagements that you've been a part of, what's the process been like? How do you work with an advisory service to get to the next steps of, like you said, not just mapping out the risk, but also coming up with a continuous plan, right? It's not a once and done type of function that you need to be in order to feel like you are kind of ongoing secure. So maybe some of the insights around how do you work with advisory services? There's a variety of ways to think about this, depending on the complexity and sophistication of your risk management infrastructure, your risk management departments. You might partner with advisory firms, and if you are very complicated or more tactical exercises, 
but let's presume you're not. This is a, an SMB-focused podcast, and I think that many organizations probably are beginning to think about this, understand that there's a concern there, perhaps look at it as a good problem because their business is getting larger and you know they're more of a target than ever beforehand, but that's also a risk for the business too. I think the, the first thing you need to do is recognize that these aren't about vendor-customer relationships. You're partnering. That word partner is pretty key here. And recognizing that you have a kind of a shared responsibility, a shared fate in terms of being able to protect whatever those crown jewels are is something that I think is important to start off with. That means really establishing a degree of trust and confidence and transparency with the executive team of your business and why you're doing what you're doing. You don't want to begin exercises with consulting firms where your executive team is at odds with their motivations to do so. You also don't want to be necessarily starting these activities with advisory firms when you're in the middle of a fire, right? The best time to do this is when everything seemingly um, stable and you have the time and continued focus and clear head to be able to engage your leadership team to be proactive and ready for an exercise that has them and working with you to kind of go through the, the steps that we've talked about beforehand. This is much of what we do inside of our advisory and professional services group inside of HPE. It's very much fundamental to how we think about partnering with our customers. I love that. You're looking for a partner, just not a vendor. Alignment with your executive so you know where you're getting out of it. And definitely don't start it during a fire. I'm, <laughs> I'm writing that one down, Sunil. Sunil, I heard a little bit about Project Aurora. Um, can you talk a little bit about it and how that might be applicable to an SMB audience for small and mid-sized businesses? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I started the conversation about, you asked me over the last 18 to 24 months what, what might have changed in terms of the, the risk assessment. I think one of the things that we've all recognized is that, you know, whether it's through COVID or just this general progression towards interconnected systems, more businesses are recognizing the value and power that comes from building cloud-native technology architectures rather than have infrastructure that is fairly static and can't adjust to you know, surging customer demands or declining customer demands, you can have something that can right-size so that your utilization curve and your demand curve are fairly close to each other. When companies start to evolve towards those types of architectural models where they include and take advantage of technologies like containers and cloud services and things of that sort. What happens is that you need to start rethinking about how to bring automation into different parts of securing that architecture. And what Project Aurora does is it provides a, a system to deliver some of these capabilities around automating the way in which we can not only verify your components of your cloud architecture, but we can do so on a continuous basis such that you can be assured that a running container at any given moment's notice is running on known good infrastructure. So Aurora is designed to provide those kinds of verifications of trust, and it does so at different points in the value chain, whether it be at the workload level, like a software system run inside of a container. It could do so at the container orchestrator level. I could do so at the operating system powering that container orchestrator, and we could do it at the hardware level as well. And so it's an end-to-end -end chain of value that allows our customers to be able to, based on how they're thinking about developing their own security frameworks, 
and whether it's zero trust frameworks or otherwise, we're giving them the building blocks to be ready to have that kind of robust verification of all the components of their heterogeneous cloud-native infrastructure. Excellent. Thanks for that insight. Certainly the the trigger point, if you're a small, medium business that is ready for more of that cloud-native technology and infrastructure, right? As you said, going from more static to more dynamic and then needing to manage that end-to-end value chain is so important. As we wrap up here, Sunil, maybe the last question is, as you think about cybersecurity, what would you advise our small and medium businesses to think about the next steps that they need to assure up their organizations to be secure? I think that many an organization that's an SMB maybe feel like, who would ever target us? Why would anybody ever target us? Uh, we're just a small company. What value is there other than perhaps the, the, the customer information we have that, that somebody would come after? The thing that I would say to most organizations, I mean, you could argue that if you're listening to this podcast in your SMB, you, you've already got religion on what I'm about to say here. So maybe this is kind of moot. But I think many organizations don't really believe that they are targets. I don't think that they see themselves as having anything necessary. I think that they would be wrong in thinking that way. There have been plenty of examples of attacks over the last 10 years, some originating what we've been told by the media, the Russian hacking groups you know, into the Ukraine, backdooring you know, small and medium-sized business software vendors that believed they were just providing a small bit of value to their customers, but in fact, it was giving attackers a massive toehold across a large diaspora of enterprise customers to conduct nation-state-level attacks. So even though you're a small business, your small business is part of our critical infrastructure. Make no mistake about it. So I think recognizing that sooner than later, I think, is pretty important. And beginning some of the exercises that we're talking about even when you are small, you know, getting a sense of the assessments before things get out of control, getting in place these assessments before your infrastructure gets too large and complicated and makes it more difficult to get your hands around that. These are all healthy habits to start getting into now. Yes, it's an additional investment in your business, and it may be one that you don't think is necessary, but I think that's usually the way it goes in terms of being preventative as opposed to reactive. You have to be able to think about making those investments beforehand. And not wait till the end when you're reacting and when the house is on fire. That's uh, you're too late at that point. So I'd leave them with that. Excellent. Certainly, you don't want to think about vulnerabilities when you the house is on fire. So to definitely the preventative measures and to put those these things in place so that your company and your enterprises can stay secure. So Neil, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. You too, Sandy. Thanks. And for those of you who would like to learn more, please visit us at www.hpe.com forward slash info forward slash security.